the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. They were there. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, upon whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What a beautiful scene. I stood in Bethlehem. It's a gritty town. It's an ugly town. I saw the cave where they say the manger was. Mary, Joseph, and a newborn baby and angels singing, and shepherds coming, and later, wise men coming with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We love the sentimentality of this story. We love, we love babies in all their chubby cheeks, innocent cries, a mother breastfeeding a child, a baby. We love the story. But there's a shadow cast over this story. It's a deep shadow. It's a threatening shadow. It's a shadow of death. For you see, there was, over this wonderful story of a baby in a manger, there is the cross. There is an execution. There is death. We can't tell the story of baby Jesus and neglect the shadow of the cross. It's there, threatening. Yesterday I tried my best to speak with mercy and kindness about the crucifixion. Because, you see, that shadow of a cross extends over your life and over mine. For it is not just the death of Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you must be crucified with him.
I know of many men and women who say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I want to spend eternity with him. No, I don't want to go to hell. But neither do they want to be crucified with Christ. Now, may I be absolutely clear with you? There is only one way of escape from this planet, this prison planet, this domain of the devil. There's only one way he's defeated, and that is by the cross. By Jesus being crucified as our atoning sacrifice, he was the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But he does not take away the sin of the world without a crucifixion, without his crucifixion, and without your crucifixion. In Romans 6, please let me read this to you. Romans 6, the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism And that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's regeneration. That's being made righteous into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him In the resurrection, there will be no resurrection in Christ Jesus for you if you have not been crucified with Christ. Now let me talk about what that looks like for just a moment. When a man is crucified with Christ, when a woman is crucified with Christ, Their life, as they knew it in the flesh, is over. Many of you have tried very hard, as I have, to live in the flesh and be a Christ follower. And you have discovered, like I have, that it's impossible to be a Christ follower and remain in the flesh. For sin continually rises in your heart and you follow the desires and the thoughts of the wicked carnal nature that you were born with in Adam. And often I came to a point where I said, Lord, I've tried as hard as I can. 
I just can't do it, so you're going to have to make up the difference, and you're going to have to carry me. But he never did. He never made up the difference. There's only one way. You must die to the law. You must die in the flesh. You're going to have to let go of your life. Now, please, when you die, when you are crucified with Christ, you become a new person. You're a new man, a new woman. You no longer desire the wickedness of the television. The television and the movies and the violence of the video games, they all fit into the desires of the flesh. (laughs) They're not of Jesus. I know that in heaven there will not be a football league. There's not going to be an NBA or a NASCAR. There's not going to be movies depicting murders and sexual impurity. There's not going to be... There's not going to be wickedness. We have to die with Christ and be made into a new creature, a new person, with new desires, with new tastes. It requires a total letting go of the way we use money, the way we use time, the way we look at one another, at at the way we defend ourselves, at the way we protect ourselves. It's going to require a whole new way of living This new way of living, there is one law above all others. And that is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And to love others as we love ourselves. To not be a taker, but to be a giver. To be one who will pour out their heart for others. I talked to a a precious believer yesterday who is not working except for Jesus. They are working for Jesus. And the burden on their heart is for the poor in Honduras. And this precious person, I asked them, Do you have all of your bills paid for this month? This person waits on the Lord for finances. Would you tell me if you need help? The text came back. I have a car payment or an insurance payment of $255. I'm crying out to God about this. I've been asking him if he would send that $255 that I could cover my rent or cover my 
my insurance payment on my car. And then they said, but pastor, could I tell you what I had to do? As I was praying about this, the Lord said to me, there's someone who needs your help. How much money do you have in your billfold? Well, I have $140 toward my insurance payment. And the Lord said, I want you to send that $140 to the pastor in Honduras that you're working with. He has someone who needs it more desperately than you do. There's a medical emergency. Go to Western Union and send that $140. Wait a minute. Her insurance payments due. Her rent's coming at the end of the month. She doesn't have her bills covered. And God is saying, take the $140 you have in your wallet to Western Union and send it to the pastor in Honduras. There's a need very desperate, and I want you to meet it. And as soon as she did that, the text message came from me. Do you have your your responsibilities and your food covered for this month? And she told me she was praying for that that car payment, that payment on her insurance. And the Holy Spirit said to me, You pay that two hundred and fifty-five dollars. I said, Yes, sir. And I immediately sat down and wrote a check. And I'll put it in the mail this afternoon when I finish the broadcast. Why am I telling you this? Because it doesn't make any human sense to give to the poor when you're poor. But that's Jesus' way. Now, I could have said, but Lord, you see, how much this move is going to cost. You see already how much it has cost. How am I going to survive? The Lord would not even countenance such a question. Had I asked him that, he would have been very angry with me. He would have been very disappointed in me. You see, the money I have is not my money. I am required by the Holy Spirit to obey his commands. And the command that he is most concerned about is taking care of the gospel work. And if I will take care of the gospel work of doing the broadcast, of helping the poor, then he will give me all that I need. But some of you are so tight and so concerned about meeting your own needs, you have no understanding of what it means to help with the work of the gospel. 
to help the poor, to pour out your heart for the poor. Now, I want to get right to the point. All of this was just introduction for what I need to say to you today. Now, please, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to say this to you to bring any condemnation on you. I'm not going to say this to you in any way to rebuke you. I simply want to show you something in the scriptures that has pierced my heart. It was so piercing to me that I could barely sleep. In fact, I didn't sleep most of the night. I want to share it with you. In the book of Acts, there is a man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen is a godly man. He is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is able to perform incredible miracles of healing and deliverance. He is able to speak eloquently with power in the Spirit about the crucifixion of Jesus and about the necessity of your being crucified with him. And some some priests from the synagogue of the freedom, Jewish people. They couldn't argue with him because they could not defeat the wisdom of the Holy Spirit as he poured out truth. And so they became very, very angry. And they persuaded some liars to testify that this man was speaking blasphemy against Moses and against God. The crowd was stirred with passion, and they grabbed Stephen, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin, and they produced false witnesses to testify that he speaks against the temple. He speaks against the law. Of course, he did neither one. So they begin to question him. And the word says in chapter 6 of Acts, verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw his face like the face of an angel. But there was no conviction in their hearts because, and this is the key word for today, resistance. Yesterday I spoke to you the truth of the gospel of Jesus. I read from the scriptures. It was not raised theology. It was the apostle Paul. It was the Apostle John. It was not. It was not my theology. It's the, it's the teaching of Jesus in the Scripture that you have to leave your sin. And if you're continuing now to walk in sin, you are a son of the devil. And that has to change, and it can only change. There's only one way of escape, and that way of escape is through Jesus Christ and the crucifixion. You have to die. But we have great resistance to dying. 
So they begin to question him. And he tells the story. He reviews the story with them of Israel, of their resistance to God, of the mercies of God. If you look at your life, do you see a story of resistance to the mercy and the love that God has shown you? Have you been selfishly concerned about yourself and your own? Or have you been concerned about the poor? Have you, have you been concerned about the work of the gospel? I come day by day, and you listen, and I ask you, will you help me with this work of the gospel? And some of you do, and you're very kind, and you're very generous, but most of you just turn aside because you're resistant in your heart. Your money is your God. I need my money. Well, this person I told you about needed the money to pay for insurance. She needs to pay the rent at the end of the month. But her eyes were not on that. The only thing she was concerned about was the direction of the Holy Spirit and the helping in the work of the gospel. He talked about how the children of Israel had refused to obey the word of the Lord, how they rejected the Lord, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. Some of you today have turned back to Egypt. You have resisted the cross of Jesus. You have said, no, I can't be, I can't leave my sin. It's impossible. I'll always be a sinner. Then you will go to hell, brother, sister. There has to be a total change. And that change is not by works. It's by the grace of Jesus Christ. Well, finally, he sees that they are utterly resistant. And he says to them in verse 51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts, uncircumcised ears. You're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I am coming today pleading with you. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit calls you to help the poor, help the poor. Even if it means you're poor. If the Holy Spirit is calling you, then give for the work of the gospel. Sacrificially give for the work of the gospel, and you will be blessed because the crucifixion will be going on. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law 
that was put into effect through angels, but you have not obeyed. If you cannot obey the word of the Lord to you, it is because you have not been crucified with Christ. What happens when you're crucified with Christ is now you have the ability to make the choice not to sin. Every bondage of sin is broken. And now if you sin, it's because you voluntarily gave yourself over to that wickedness. When they heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. They were spitting angry. Do you understand? They were angry. And some of you are angry with me. Because I'm calling you to follow Jesus and be crucified and give up your life and your comfort and help the poor and help the work of the gospel and sacrifice yourself for Jesus. And you don't like it. You like your your club. You like your television. You like your, your sports. You like your rituals. You like the world. And so God has vomited the church out of their buildings. A man yesterday said to me, you know, our church is in such trouble. We just were ready to move into our new building, a huge, monstrous, mega church building. And now they don't know if they'll survive. It looks like financially they're going to crash. The church has been destroyed. God did that. God vomited them out of the church, the church building. They're not even meeting now. Oh, a few people go online. That's not church. Church is where two or three gather in the name of the Lord. Not just family members, but others with you. That's church. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. And he saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, look, he said. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He was so excited he could see Jesus. At this, the the priests and the, the people covered their ears And yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and they stoned him to death. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul that we know as Paul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. 
Now here we have it. One of the most glorious things in all of the scriptures. Jesus is not sitting on the throne. He's on his feet cheering his servant, his son, his brother, Stephen, cheering him. There is a a welcoming committee in heaven, and Jesus is leading the cheer for Stephen. Can you imagine the glory and the wonder of Jesus standing up from the throne of God to welcome you home, to cheer you on? I cannot imagine a greater honor than for Jesus to look down upon me and stand up from the throne and say, Look, that's my son, Ray. That's my brother, Ray. Look, look what he's doing. He's sacrificing his life for me. He's laying his life down for me. That's what was going on with Stephen. What glory. What glory. Stephen laid his life down for his Lord Jesus Christ. He boldly, knowing that he would die, proclaimed Jesus as Lord, and he confronted their sin. And what was their sin? Resistance. Now, if we look at our own lives, let's be clear. As one young man said to me, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. My dad told me what I had to do. They told me in school what I had to do. My boss at work tells me what I have. I don't want anybody telling me what I have to do. I'm in charge of my own life. Thank you very much. I said, then you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're on your way to hell. So enjoy your heaven right now because this is all the heaven you're going to get. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean that I have to give up being in charge of my life? In charge of my money? In charge of my time? In charge of my my condo? In charge of my car? I have to give all of that up? I can't do that. Where do you find resistance in your heart? Are you resistant to the notion of giving up the ownership of your money, of your time? Are you resistant? to being crucified with Christ? We like the the beautiful, sentimental picture of Bethlehem. The star. The wise men being given gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to finance the trip to Egypt and back. We love the stories of Jesus and his 
full miracles of feeding the 5,000, casting demons out of people. We love the stories of Jesus, the victor, the man of peace, the man who said, love your brother. But what about the shadow of the cross? What about the shadow of the cross? We have to face that cross, and we cannot stay kneeling in front of that cross. We have to let Jesus put us on the cross. We have to let Jesus have his way in our hearts. And we must stop believing that we cannot stop sinning. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We can stop sinning by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you read Romans 6 very carefully, you will see as you read Romans 6, you will see clearly with no mistake that we have the choice about whether we offer the members of our body to wickedness or whether we offer our body in righteousness. The difference between a man who has been born again and a man who is caught in the bondage of sin is that a man who has been born again, a woman who has been born from above, no longer is bound in sin. They have been set free. And they're able now to make a choice and choose the way of righteousness and cast aside their resistance. And they no longer love the way of darkness. They no longer love the violence or the wickedness, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment. They now have the option to choose with freedom that they did not have before. If you're caught in the bondage of drugs and you can't break their power and you keep getting drugged time after time into the drugs or into the alcohol or, or into the homosexuality or into the fornication or you keep getting drug away to the strip joint or the pornography. You keep getting drug away to gluttony. And you know you're eating way too much and you're very fat. And you can't help yourself. You have no control. You've not been crucified with Christ. And there's only one door into the cross. And that door is called repentance. Where you finally come to your senses and you say, look, I've tried my best and I couldn't do it. Now, Lord, I come and I give up my life. And I ask now that all resistance in my heart would be removed I ask now that you would open the way for me 
to join Jesus on that cross. Because you see, there is a bright shining light on the other side of the cross. And that bright shining light is streaming from the tomb of Jesus. And it's called the resurrection. It's your resurrection. As you become a new person with new tastes and new desires, a new heart to follow Jesus, to serve him, to serve the work of the gospel, to pray, to intercede, to care for the poor, to care for your wife or your husband or your children, to care for your pastor. What have you done for your pastor? Do you have one? Oh, this resistance is so, so damaging. That resistance has to be broken through. And you're going to have to get as desperate as the prodigal son who came to his senses and finally said, I'm starving to death. I'm not going to make it if I don't change. I'm going to die out here in this pig pen. And some of you listening to this broadcast today, you don't know it, but you're dying in your pig pen. You're getting older day by day by day, and you're going to die in your pig pen if you don't come back to your senses and go to the Father and and cry out your repentance before him and be crucified with Jesus. And he will meet you. I want to pray with you, please. Lord, I know that right now There are men and women listening to this broadcast who have hearts so filled with resistance, so filled with discouragement. They know they're not right with you, Jesus, but they've tried as hard as they could, and they just can't get their mind and their heart to give up their resistance to your gospel. And they don't want to get on their face and cry aloud to you. They don't want to weep before you. They want to be strong and bold and self, self-concerned. They want to come into your kingdom, Jesus, without the crucifixion. And you said you can't come without the crucifixion. So, Lord, many of these people go to church or listen online, send in tithes and offerings, call themselves Christians. 
but they're not really Christians because they've never been crucified with you. And they don't understand. They don't understand, Lord, but even if they did understand, they'd still be resistant because the human heart is resistant to you as it's filled with the selfishness of of the devil. Lord, I plead right now for every man and every woman listening or who will listen to this broadcast. I plead, Jesus, that you would break the resistance in their hearts, that you would cause the water the water of the Spirit to rise so high in their heart that the dam would burst and they would say, I must get to Jesus. I must go home to my Father. I'm going to die in this pig pen. But Lord, you know that it's pride that stops us. And we're afraid if we if we give way and we finally allow you to make us into new creatures that we'll lose ourselves. And it's true, we will lose ourselves, but we will also find ourselves in you. But Lord, that resistance is just plain pride. And Lord, some want to just argue theology. They want to argue for once saved, always saved. They want to argue that No, they don't, and they can't leave their sin. And Lord, all of that is just pride. Arrogance before you. Pride in their Reformed theology. But they don't have your presence. They don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't have compassion. They're filled with darkness, with lust for things, for stuff, for life. Lord, I plead right now that by your Spirit you will fully expose in their hearts the resistance, the independence, the smart knowing all of the answers without holiness, without righteousness, without humility. Lord, would you come? Would you hear my cry for my precious brothers and sisters who listen to this broadcast but whose heart is downcast and angry? because they've searched for a way into the kingdom of heaven that bypasses the cross. And the only way, you said, into the kingdom of heaven is by way of the cross, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and we must be crucified with you. We must take up our cross and follow you. Lord, you've been very clear. 
Lord, I, I want to read this to you, Lord. You said, Jesus, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Jesus, you said that. You said that if we would come after you, we had to deny ourselves and take up the cross. And when you said that, Jesus, you were headed to Golgotha to be crucified. So we too have got to go to Golgotha and be crucified by you as we confess our sin and our resistance and humble our hearts with tears and say, Jesus, I am yours. I am yours, Jesus. Do with me as you need to do. Change me, Jesus. I give myself into your hand. I will repent. Lord, your servant Charles Finney said, I will repent or I will die trying. And Lord, he tried his best and he couldn't repent until you showed him his pride. And his pride stood in the way. He was afraid somebody would see him or hear him as he cried out to you. And finally, the utter foolishness of that was apparent to him. And then he could cry out. Lord, our pride stands directly in the way of our repentance. But you are on the Father's throne, and if we will but repent... If we will be but crucified with you, you will stand to your feet and you will cheer us on. Even as you did this precious brother, Stephen. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I pray today this word has been helpful to you. I pray that you have been moved with conviction and that all resistance will be removed from your heart via the prayer closet and the breaking of your pride. If your heart is wanting to help the work of the gospel, I'd love to hear from you. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com Click on the upper right-hand corner and you can give to help cover the cost of this radio broadcast and to help us reach even further with this broadcast. There's so much we need and want to do, but we can't because the funds are not there. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 
1-800-795-1495. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, just an update. I do have a townhouse the Lord has provided for me, and I will be moving on January 2. That's a Saturday. The Lord has provided for movers to come. And I'm going to be inviting you to come and join us at this new townhouse. It's in Woodbridge, Virginia. Easy, easy, easy access. Many of you need to come and get serious about following Jesus and being crucified with him. So I'll be announcing the address, the new address. It's not valid yet, but it will be soon. I sign a lease today. This afternoon, I sign a lease. I pray you'll come and and fellowship with us. We're a very small fellowship. Ten or so people. You can wear a mask if that'll make you feel better. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to serve Jesus, to be crucified with him. And I want you to see Jesus standing up from his throne, cheering you on. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great